We're getting a team together in honor of Army of the Dead. What's a location that needs a heist movie set there? I'm Katie Rich, and this is kind of a boring answer because everyone said this around this year's Oscars, but it's the Oscars. I'm Matt Patches, and I've come up with the perfect heist movie for Katie. It's going to be set during the events of James Cameron's Titanic. Thieves on the Titanic have to steal the heart of the ocean, and they do because they swap it in. The one that they have in the end that the old lady throws in the ocean is a fake. If they did it in the final Avengers movie, they can do it in this. Exactly. (laughs) Time traveling and not just a sequel. Interesting. My name's David the Seven. I'm this is not really a movie, it's just a fact that you could do what you will with. Is Glenn Beck owns one of the original Ruby slipper pairs and he shows them off and someone someone should steal them from him. You just want that to happen in real life. Yeah. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's It's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 349. It is Pandemic 61. It is the week of Wednesday, May 19th. That is the day that at some point in the past, Liz Gonzalez was born, former guest. Mom of Dave, beloved by Hi, all. Mom. Happy birthday. Happy Aww. birthday. That's Assuming sweet. I got the podcast done on time. <laughs> if you don't get the podcast done for your mom's birthday, have you even gotten her a present? No, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, this week we're missing David. Uh, and unfortunately for David, honestly, uh, we don't have reviews this week. <laughs> so I think Dave gets some model mm-hmm. about Galaxy of Heroes. Unclear how long he gets to talk for. We didn't really set up rules about this. Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if we need like news things or just like what I've been working on. David's like much more advanced in uh, GP or Galaxy points than I am. Uh, so he has a lot more characters. Right now, I've been uh, working on getting the C3PO character. Working provides... on? Yes. <laughs> you have an in actual order... job, though, and several jobs, honestly. Well, this is just like a side thing. You sign in, but uh, C3PO is actually an event character, so you have to play through a series of battles to get him. And in order to get the C3PO character, you actually need to play as all Ewoks. Now, so Dave, I've been spending think, some time. Oh, go ahead. You think R2D2 is an asshole? What, what's your stance on three, C3PO as a as a not Ooh, human? Yeah, but I don't character. feel like we've ever heard mm. this take. Well, I see. Like that would be about talking about Star Wars. So specifically oh, in Galaxy mm, of Heroes, mm. <laughs> C3PO uh, has a pretty Good unique try. buff called Translations that reduces the cooldowns and all the other characters, oh. which makes him a very valuable character to have. Which is why I want him, but also makes him a very difficult character to face. Especially with R two D two could put him under stealth, and Chewbacca who can uh, provide like protection. <laughs> so I'm using my team of leveled up murder bears. Uh, they're uh, <laughs> basically at gear nine, uh, but I'm hitting the gear wall, so it's going to take me a while to get them up what to gear ten. Mean? All right, can I ask like the most basic question about Star Wars Galaxy? Are they like fighting in an arena? What are they doing? Yeah, so it's turn based. It's like turn based combat. And they each have a set of moves, and they're on teams of five when they fight each other. So, are they uh, always fighting each other, or do you do other stuff? Uh, you're either fighting each other on the land with characters, or you're fighting each other with ships in the space. But yes, <laughs> it is still a Star Wars. So it's we will fight fighting. them by land. We will fight them with ships in space. 
Well, to, exactly. to learn more about this horrible game, do not leave us reviews on <laughs> Apple Podcasts or the app you choose, uh, or or do and save us from this misery. Um, please, Apple please. Podcasts. Please. Didn't even get into Ewok synergy. David yeah. would be so mad. Good well, God. You did get to say murder bears. I did. All right, Patches, there's this movie called Spiral That's Out. It's attached to the Saw franchise. In the poster... It's, Chris... it's from the book of Saw. Yes, it's please, not just attached to the franchise. I'm not even going to ask what that means. Maybe Patches will tell me. On the poster, Chris looks like... Chris Rock looks very perplexed that he is in this movie. Why does it make any sense that Chris Rock is associated with this movie, which, to my mind, as someone who doesn't really watch horror, like barely seems to exist? I mean, I think this movie only exists because of Chris Rock. Uh... Dave, do you have any recollection of like why they decided to to make this? I feel like Chris Rock went to Lionsgate and said, I want to make a horror movie. This is what I recall from just reading Variety Trades at the time a few years ago and being like, I want to make a horror movie, and I'm the guy. I want to be in a Saw movie. Um, I thought he was going to direct it. Did I just make that I up? I also that thought he was happen. going to direct it for a while, okay. but no, that did not, that did not work out because – for some reason, this is what I really cannot get over. Um, they brought back Darren Lynn Bousman, who directed Saul 2, 3, 4, and then Spiral. Um, I think mm-hmm. pe- there are Saw fans who like 2 and 3, certainly. Um, if you would go by critical consensus, there is none. They are all bad. But, you know, horror movies traditionally do not get great reviews from critics who you know they're an acquired taste i think the saw movies even more so than other horror stuff is is an acquired taste um they they provoked the torture porn quote-unquote uh label and genre which i also saw darren lynn bousman moaning over this weekend just being like we're still using this phrase that means absolutely nothing and is used to just drag uh horror movies kind of are just it's like a scare tactic it's like nancy reagan being scared of uh i don't know all the things nancy reagan was scared of in the 80s but anyway yeah darren <laughs> lynn bousman i it's not that he's a bad director for the a saw movie i think he did some interesting stuff with the contraptions and the um and the drama of saw the saw sequels uh, and certainly has his own obsessions you know he made um oh god what is that uh, musical that he oh repo the genetic repo opera repo the genetic <laughs> opera you know the man has a lot of sensibil- interesting sensibilities that have mixed and matched over the years he knows the horror genre very well but I think if you're going to reboot Saul with Chris Rock uh, and do what this movie does which is kind of confront police violence and put a black man in the lead and ask I guess some kind of interesting questions that maybe there was a different person who could have made this movie. It doesn't need to be elevated. I also, is it I also stand against quest- that. Is it asking questions like, hmm, this movie's really asking questions or is it asking questions no. like, hey, hey, we're just asking questions. <laughs> Almost neither of those things. Like, I think it kind of sees a question from far away and says, should we ask that 
Que- is that a question? Are we coming up on a question here? And says, nah, we, we, so we got to put somebody's fingers in a gigantic trap that's going to rip them off unless they bite their own tongue off. Um, <laughs> we have better business to get to. Yeah, and, and so in this movie, uh, Jigsaw, the main antagonist of the Saw films, is not back. Wait, oh. His name is Jake Saw? No, no. Jigsaw. 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 Jig- <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> No, but uh, yes, Jake Saul is not back. (laughs) Son of Jake Saul. Jake Saul is the guy who uh, stole the jewel on the Titanic. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I'm going to need a photoshopped Jake Saul poster on my desk by morning. Um, Jake Saul is Saul. It's it's just the Romancing the Stone poster, but with Jake Saul. Ahem. Jigsaw, the antagonist of the original films, is not back. He's seen. Wait, in like wait, a photo. wait, wait. Both jigsaws are not back. None of the jigsaws are, oh. are, are are really back. I don't know if that's a spoiler. I mean, I guess it could be if if people are holding out for like another jigsaw reveal. Like that doesn't really have. This is pretty self-contained. There's a reference to that. Maybe the spiral killer is mimicking. Jigsaw, um, or may, somehow Jigsaw could be back, but I think it's pretty evident from the trailers that this is not the case, that this is divorced from all of that, um, and is merely from the book of Saw. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, it, and it follows the patterns of those original Saw movies pretty closely. It kind of feels like a remake of the very first Saw movie, but with a, a bigger budget. But it, 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 and it, and again, it, the, the antagonist, the spiral killer, is killing cops. Killing cops who have done bad things, a cop who shot an unarmed guy or a dirty cop who killed a witness uh, for a ba- another bad guy. The crimes that they've committed are sort of murky in terms of like why they're dirty cops. But it's what, if you shoot an innocent guy, you're a bad cop. I, I believe that in my heart. Um, I don't think that's controversial. Anyway why like the politics it's so loaded and this movie is doing nothing with that and chris rock is really doing nothing with that it's very strange it opens with like five minutes of chris rock monologuing at a crime scene like he's doing one of his comedy sets and it's hysterical um and he has a lot of like my wife blah yada 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 jokes and like oh the keto diet blah 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 i don't know just like bits there's a bunch of bits at the beginning of this movie where rock gets to be rock and then all of a sudden it becomes like a parody it becomes it looks like an snl digital short the movie looks very cheap at times and he's just like screaming cop one-liners like i can't trust anyone on this force right i how am I supposed to find the clues? And those sort of things. Um, and it's just like, what is... This movie is so bare bones. It really has nothing going on, except seeing people murdered in interesting ways, which, Katie, is that going to get you in the door? No, I've never seen a Saw movie, obviously, because I think the guy's name is Jake Saw. So I got I got nothing. I, I'm curious about the fact that Chris Rock is in this. Like, I think if someone had told me, like, it's a Saw movie, but it's, like, interesting for X reason, like, maybe I would have considered it, but no. Not for me. Yeah, and he's not really adding anything. Did, did anyone watch Fargo season four with Rock in it? I forgot that that happened and that he was on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's not a great actor. I don't know if he... I like seeing him in movies that he has made, actually. The movies that he has directed have been 
I've I've been high on those like top five and that sort of thing um, where he gets to kind of play versions of himself where he for a while there I thought he was gonna he was gunning to be like Woody Allen but new and younger and black and have a different voice Um, that didn't really pan out maybe because they don't make movies like that anymore it feels like Chris Rock should have a Netflix deal where he's pumping out smaller comedies that are weird and idiosyncratic I think he remade Hmm. a French film once um, that seems like more his lane than yeah, doing this kind life. of acting. But it's also like, I guess if you're super famous and you have some clout and you go to Lionsgate and say, make a $5 million horror movie, but it stars me. Like, why wouldn't they do that? Why wouldn't you put Chris Rock in a, in a Saw movie? I don't think you overthink that part of it. Um, but yeah, Saw, a Spiral, I, I can't so say So will there there's... be, will there be further chapters in the book of Saw? Well, the movie bombed. I mean, the movie was not. What well does a received. bomb mean? Like, was it in? Is it exclusively in theaters? It, yes, it was exclusively in theaters, and I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, so you did back, not see it in the theater. I well, no, I, I was privileged enough to get a screener to enjoy it at the uh, my home location in order to write about it in advance of its theatrical release. But yes, it was only in theaters. It's not streaming anywhere. You can't buy it, rent it on VOD right now. This was like trying to get people back in theaters to see Spiral. Um, but to, to paint a, a kind of dour picture, I do find the box office reporting right now to be a little strange because the way it's written about in trades makes it seem like we should be 100% back to normal. Movies are back. Why are well, no one showing up? It must be the end of times. I don't know if sure. that's right, but um, I will say it's not good that way back in August, New Mutants came out when we were not done with the pandemic and when we were like, is this, can movies come out right now? Let's give it a try. (laughs) And I think it made like 7 million some dollars uh, in August, 2020. And Spiral did not make that much money now. Mm. Um, That's bad. That's bad. Movies now should probably make more money than than New Mutants and Tenet Tenet did back in uh, last summer. So, not great start to the renewed summer movie season. I think it's going to take a little while. It's And it's certainly not going to help that A Quiet Place 2 is coming out soon. And Cruella is coming back in theaters, but people can rent it at home. I don't know if people is do Is A Quiet that. Place 2, it's not going to be on VOD though, right? That it will not. No, we are definitely so that'll in, be an interesting test. Just like in that's... theaters mode. Sort of, though. Movie. I mean, like, In the Heights is going to be on VOD. Corral is going to be on VOD. Black Widow is going to be... Like, we're, we're... It's a hybrid right now. Well, I mean, there's a big difference between movies premiering on HBO Max and then, and then Cruella and Black Widow sure. being $30 rentals at home. Um, people will still do that, but uh, I don't know if any of these Warner Brothers movies will make much money, and I don't know if there will be much enthusiasm when there are still big movies that people want to see every other weekend that plays at home. I don't know if that's a factor in why Spiral couldn't get people out the door. But also, maybe after a year of stewing inside and um, feeling horrible, you don't want to go to a movie theater and see people have to rip off their fingers or get electrocuted. Uh, that's the, the best part about Saw, Katie, is that you get to choose. How, mm. Do you, do you <laughs> want to live with a, just a terrible thing that's happened to you, or do you want to die? Uh, so wow. one person either has to like bite off their own tongue or get hit by a subway train. Um, wow! <laughs> you want to get molten 
liquid poured on your or molten wax poured on your face or do you want to um cut sever your neck and uh lurch yourself off a table these are the big questions that people who went to the theater to see spiral got to ask themselves this weekend no, thanks um you can do that in your own time i think you just built a contraption in your backyard that is basically a saw um, oh, it's a it, playground. It's, Sorry, it's I'm called, looking it's at called Instagram. a swing set. It's, it's a swing set. My miss, I was, I was incorrect there. <laughs> Jigsaw now in theaters only. Jigsaw never Jigsaw. in theaters. Jigsaw sadly never in theaters. Um, well, uh, we, as we were talking about going back into theaters, which at this point, I think none of us have yet done, but expect to be doing soon. Uh, and it's going to be summer, which is historically the time when we spent much of our, uh, use in movie theaters. We are going to pick summer movies to talk about that we have special attachments to. It's going to be a quarter quell. Uh, it's a pre-memorial day quarter quell. What better topic could there be than (laughs) summer movies? Um, I guess we're going to give you guys a glimpse behind the curtain in that David has not yet picked his. So we don't know what David's going to pick. Normally we would tell you what you could watch here and we will be telling you, I guess what you could watch (laughs) so you could watch along and enjoy the podcast, but we're not leaving out. We're not leaving out David's pick out of vengeance. He hasn't told us yet, but (laughs) he would like to prepare. I am coming in with deep impact. Dave is coming in with The Mask. And if you thought it was going to be pure 90s nostalgia, you were wrong because Patches has chosen Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I will say David infamously wrote an essay in defense of. He does love it. He might be mad that you stole his pick. It will be interesting. I'm not necessarily picking it because I like it. That's Mm. the the thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Katie, when you think of um, blockbusters that have special connections, or what, what what are you thinking when you landed on this quarter quell topic for us. I mean, we're going to get into it next week. I don't want to okay. spoil it's too te- much. It's called a teaser. I mean, I think that everyone, at least everyone who would listen to a show like this and would certainly be on a show like this, has certain movies that loom large in their movie-going memory. And a lot of times when you're younger, those are giant summer blockbusters. Like the idea of being out of school, going to the movies with my friends. There's even for a while in my childhood a theater we could walk to when we couldn't drive yet. Like that is the refuge that you take. And some of those movies are terrible. Some of those movies are great, but they stick with you. And I think that is a feeling we are trying to evoke as we go back into movie theaters, as we go into a summer of some exciting titles to see, to like remember why we do this in the first place. What's the worst summer blockbuster that you can think of actually just seeing out of desperation for something to do? I kind remember of, seeing. I can immediately name mine. Yeah, I, mine's not a summer blockbuster. I remember seeing the Kirstie Alley Tim Allen movie for richer or for poorer, where they pose oh, yeah, as, as Amish. Yeah. Uh, that's maybe the worst movie I can remember. Like <laughs> from my teen years, like I've seen plenty of terrible movies in theaters, but I'm thinking more nostalgia here. Um, I'll try, I'll try to think of summer movies. You know yours immediately. The worst movie that I remember seeing in theaters in like high school moments, where just like show me anything, I'm so bored. Uh, was Freddy versus Jason? Oh, I mm. Hated that movie so much. Just such <laughs> a drag. Not they're not fighting. All the actors are bad. It's just like shot in mud. I hated it. 
Oh, so I remember going to see with my friends with anticipation being disappointed by was Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Really? I don't know. I wonder if it's as bad as we thought it was then, but I remember how shitty I thought it was. Oh, damn. David, what about you? I can't remember. I'm trying to think about like disappointing experiences of the movies, and apparently I've like shrugged them off because I know they exist, but I can't think of one that I didn't find like some sort of like bright, side around i remember feeling this way about spider-man 3 which like there are certainly bright sides in spider-man 3 but i remember going into that one really excited and being like really yeah there was i guess uh when i was 16 i had just gotten like a car and um from my parents as a gift and i was all excited and that um like uh, six months later in February, it was Valentine's Day weekend, and I was taking a whole bunch of people to go see the Daredevil movie because there was going to be a new Daredevil. Mm. Ben Affleck was going to be a Daredevil, and getting onto the highway uh, totaled the car. Everyone was fine, but didn't end up seeing Daredevil that night because the car was totaled. And so when I eventually did saw Daredevil, I was like, I fucking totaled the car for that. That was pretty disappointing. The movie Daredevil so was a bad. spring movie. Yeah, it's it's not that it's not so bad, but yeah, no, that's just all I could think about in terms of like blockbusters disappointing me, and it's only because it was tied to my actual freedom of movement. Well, join anyway, us next week for more stories about <laughs> yeah. our misspent use, uh, maybe or maybe not being able to drive to get to the movies. And I how picked a real summer movie for my my quarter quell at least. I'm gonna pull out my. Uh, my journals from high school and see if I or from middle school. Really? Fine. I'm going to see. I, there may or may not be anything in there, but I feel like that was a period of my life when I would have written about seeing Deep Impact. So we're going to. I know it was definitely the mask for Halloween that year. Just so let's see. Listen. Pictures. See Liz Gonzalez, if you're listening, yeah. <laughs> find some pictures. <laughs> we need these. For this week, uh, this was actually a David's Choice week, and we forced David to choose The Woman in the Window. Uh, This movie was originally going to come out. Who sold this movie off? Was this a Paramount movie? Fox. This was a was, Fox movie. I have a. I, sorry, I'm not. Don't need to jump on your intro. But I have the VanityFair.com history of what happened to this poor movie. Is that it was a Fox 2000 production um, that had been gone into production before uh, Fox was acquired by Disney. So that was the first curse thing that happened in the mini curse. Yeah, so the Pierce principal project. photography on this movie began in August 2018. It's a long time ago. Lots uh, happened since then. Yeah, a few things have happened <laughs> since then. And But no, Katie, I was going to say that I know that you were anticipating this movie we you basically forced david to choose this movie um yes. and you've been and then anxious. david perhaps fairly bowed out from the <laughs> yeah, then he disappeared yeah. for some reason this is a a creepy thriller setup uh we'll have mm, to figure out what happened to him later where is david but i feel like and i'm guessing here and i'm gonna make you explain it but this movie might work on multiple levels apps. for why you would want to see woman in the window which is uh it's a it's a thriller with lots of stars in it like this cast is is stacked amy adams plays the woman in the window dr anna fox she is a psychologist she's psychologist she's also 
deeply agoraphobic, will not leave her house. She has a beautiful brownstone on the Upper West Side. I don't know why she would leave. I mean, she has everything she yeah. needs. And if you can get fresh direct, who gives a shit? Just stay at home. This um, movie makes it seem like a lot weirder than it is to me now. She just spends a like, lot of time in the window. So Yeah, a lot of windows. She, she ends her time. Well, it's like, I feel like when this movie was created, the idea, it's like, oh, she's inside. Like, what does she do with her time? She's just sitting around watching TV. And I'm like, nope. Been with that. That's normal. She, but that's normal behavior for lots of people right She now. loves movies so much. Yeah, and I'm like, have you been on my Twitter feed? Come on. <laughs> um, Gary Oldman's in this movie. Anthony Mackie is kind of in this movie. Wyatt Russell, Brian Tyree Henry, Julianne Moore, Jennifer Jason Lee. Tracy Letts shows up uh, because he also wrote the movie. Credited, credited screenwriter. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Tracy Letts, who I believe has won a Pulitzer Prize for August Osage County. Yes, he sure has. Um, he is an acclaimed theater writer, and he brought his skills to this script. And your boy, Katie. Your boy, your boy. Joe Wright. Love Joe Wright. Directed this movie. Joe Wright. He's just did like... He, did he? Did he? Uh, bring on the conspiracy theories. Well, wait. Oh, there's not a conspiracy theory. It, there is solid reporting that Tony Gilroy, uh, famously of oh. reshooting Rogue One, was brought in by Scott Rudin to reshoot this movie after terrible test screenings. Um, this was part of... So the Hollywood Reporter's like, big story on Scott Rudin. This was like paragraph five, like kind of a throwaway about how he had tampered with this movie. Um, it had best test screenings. They reshot it with Tony Gilroy. Uh, it still didn't work. And then they sold it to Netflix. Wow. But you were anticipating this movie. Did you have hopes for this movie? Or did you want to see it because you thought it was going to be a dumpster fire and you like gawking at things that are don't work? I don't mind gawking at things that don't work, especially with this many <laughs> names attacks. I read the book. So the book was published in January 2018. I read it when I was on maternity leave. So this had been early 2019. While the movie was in production and um, so the little men we talked about it with Bobby Finger and he summed it up well where he's like, I hate this book. I hate every page. I can't put it down. I hate it more the more I read it. Let me talk to you about this book. It's a really annoying book. Why? It's really bad because it's got really bad twists. It is not especially well written. It's got all of these really reflexive references to Rear Window. Um, the main character's name is Jane Russell, who is the name of a real old, old school movie star who's not in Rear Window. Um didn't the guy and, who write it turn out to be kind of like a weirdo? Yes. This is the other fascinating twist in this very cursed production, which is that, let me see if I can get the dates right. I think it was, I think I read the book when the New Yorker story revealing which him as a apparently fraud Apparently came out in published. February 2019. Was the yeah, New so that, that's probably when I read the book, like after he had already been like- He made up the fact made, that he went to Oxford. <laughs> and that he had cancer. It's like the, like John Early's plot oh. in Search Party. I think oh that God. might be, actually, no, I think Search Party aired before, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, like the guy was kind of a fraud. The movie kind of sucked, but then you think of like, so like Gone Girl is a much better book. Gone Girl is a really good movie. And you imagine Joe Wright taking this on and being like, okay, it's pulpy, but it's got all these film references. Like I have some ideas of how I can like play with the space in this brownstone. And like, he's assembled this great cast. He's coming off. A, so you know, this isn't Joe Wright coming off a pan, which was just this failure in so many ways. He's coming off a darkest hour. He got a best picture nomination. Like he is in a position to make his choices again. And he chooses this. So you're like, okay. I'm curious to see what he makes of this. And you see how he and Tracy Letts and Amy Adams are like, we can make something out of this sort of pulpy and silly story. So that was why I was intrigued. And did I mean, they, they have made it. things out of pulpy, <laughs> silly stories before. Yeah. Like, if so you saw Gone like Girl, you probably think that you could make this into a good movie, right? Well, yeah. first of all, or like sharp objects. Like, first of all, 
Katie, remind me, and if you know this is true, they threw out a Trent Reznor Atticus Ross score for this movie. That what? is apparently what happened. Yes. That wow. that that's indication and number Elfman one that came in. That it wasn't going to be uh, what I wanted it to be. Yeah. But also, when did Danny could, Elfman become the guy who like steps in to fix bad know. shit instead of doing good stuff? He did Justice League. What else did he League. do that for? The, oh, Justice League. The weed and right. cut. Yeah, I don't want to uh, necessarily Snyder cut Woman in the Window, but there <laughs> I don't are. Think anyone's going to do that. There Release are the mo- Reznor score. <laughs> Release the, the right cut. There are moments in this movie where I almost feel like, yeah, like it's getting weird. And I'm like, just go there. Like, just just embrace going getting weird. Because every time it pulls back and tries to be a little more thrillery or a little more, you know, like one woman in her box or a little more un- or a little less unreliable narratory, it feels like this gross melodrama that probably is in a great place in like a book that you're you know doing like weird page turning for but it's not consistent even visually throughout the movie so there'll be some times where this feels like it's shot very traditionally and then there'll be other times where two characters are talking directly to each other but they never share a shot Mm -hmm. with each other and instead of something like uh, the Anthony Hopkins movie that he won the, the Academy father. Award for. The, something like The Father, which is like convincingly using all those elements to put us into the mindset of a character. This one's using all of those to tell us that we can't trust anything because we're watching a thriller. And so the message of the movie is sort of like, if you don't like what's on screen right now, just like hold on a couple of seconds. <laughs> And, and none of it is none of it's anchored in the point of view of a character. Like Amy Adams is the main right. character, but it's not clear that this is her point of view as an unreliable narrator. Because they keep a huge secret about her and don't reveal it until like the very end. And then like as well, they reveal learning... the biggest secret in the middle, or like in the like with thirty minutes to go or something. Right, right. That's all right. The middle is like the secret. But basically after that reveal, that character based reveal, basically why she is traumatized the way that she is. Uh, we're basically also told like, oh, like this is it. And not only have you, the audience figured it out, but she's figured it out. And like, don't worry about it. We're all going to decompress from this murder. She didn't see because the plot of the movie is she thinks she sees somebody murdered across the street, a la rear window and uh, gets all involved with it. Uh, That is uh, the very obvious plot that is happening. So much so that, uh, like, they set that up, and she sees a murder, and, you know, she passes out because she tries to go outside, and, you know, she can't put up with it because she's uh, agoraphobic and on new medication. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, we're going to sort this out. Like, I pretty much, I guess guess I've seen all the clues. That's good to know. It's going to be a mystery movie. We're almost done, right? And no, I was a third of the way through. (laughs) And then, like, the, the, like, right... with 30 minutes left to go is that second reveal. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, it's going to wrap up. Cool. Like, we've come to some conclusions. Everything's got to be explained. That, that's great. We've all learned. We've all and grown. And it's like, nope, there's 37 minutes left. And I was like, god damn it. And then it just, from there, it goes in a way directly where you think it's going to go, just because you know it's just going to spiral off into weirdness at that point. So it, none of it's, like, surprising. <laughs> and very little of it is suspenseful. Because 
I'm waiting for the know. butt here because I would be putting a button here soon. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, but all the performances are good. Yes, I think this movie's actually g- g- good. <laughs> this movie okay, that Julianne has just Mo- been just totally Ju- destroyed on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Like critics' uh, consensus here is this movie sucks. Maybe my expectations were low. Uh, and I know Katie was anticipating it for maybe the wrong reasons, uh, but like, there's this movie is about nothing, as you said, Dave. It, it, at no point is really suspenseful, but everyone's just like doing weird shit. And Joe Wright, whatever he made uh, or whatever Tony Gilroy is plussing for him, feels in kind of in line with like Anna Karenina and all of his other weirder movies where he's playing with camera tricks and playing with lighting and going full melodrama here in a way that man did we talk about girl on the train on this podcast because that is an awful movie and it's so dour and and boring and at least this movie i think it has some good shots i think it has some wacky performances um when julianne moore shows up uh, when when uh, Amy Adams' character thinks she's the wife from across the street. Maybe she is, maybe she isn't. That's the great question of the movie. Um, but Julianne Moore shows up to help her off the street after she's fainted because she got a whiff of outside and she can't deal with that. They play gin all night and drink lots of wine. And I was having flashbacks to Safe. I'm like, oh, remember when Julianne Moore also gave this performance? Um, but now the tables have turned and she gets to be... What is she, What is Julianne Moore playing in this movie, what is the Julia character Moore type? Is great in that one yeah. scene. Like that scene really Julia. sits with its time. It feels like it knows what it's doing. And like what you're saying, Patches, about the visuals of the movie. Like the problem to me is that it never like lasts very long. Like you get this no. one glimpse yeah. of something interesting, and then it's like, oh wait, 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 we need to make like the most generic thriller choice possible right now. And that Julianne Moore scene, like I don't know when she was on set, what was going on, but it really works. And you're like, oh, I get what she this has could a lot going on in her brain in that. Scene. She's just and this weird, like, fireball thing where, like, you don't know what her motivations are, but she's, like, confident and alluring, yeah. and you get why you man. This could have been, like, a Joe Wright Twin Peaks, which I would have yeah. enjoyed, and that's what Julianne Moore, I think, is living in. But then the rest of yeah. the characters sort of dip in and out of this deadly, serious backstory they give her that doesn't touch, like, vibe with the tone of the rest of the movie. There's yeah. a really early shot where she drops some wine and she really quickly throws some papers over it and the paper, like, soaks through, like, blood and the score goes, no, 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 no. I'm like, yeah, all like, right, on movie. That paper. Like, let's be silly. Let's do this. Let's, like, you know, let's have, like, a bloody jump scares that aren't really blood and let's have, like, a dripping faucet that speeds up to an inhuman amount. Be weird. And to be clear, like, that's what Rear Window does. Like, Rear Window has fun with, like, Jimmy Stewart sitting in his house being like, what's going on? And it's got all these, like, kooky neighbors who he's following at the same time. Like, you can have a Hitchcockian thriller and have a sense of humor, which this movie is completely lacking. Yeah, I I almost think, like, I think this movie would have been better if her backstory was not the one from the book, I'm assuming, which is what's Yeah, yeah, it's from the book. Because the idea of a like nosy white woman who's trying to get her medication right while like also drinking and like may have witnessed like a violent crime against and living woman. in Harlem, which it has no thematic resonance at all, but like seems significant. Or I feel like that would be enough of a character that you would be able to question whether or not she was reliable just there. You like, you don't have mm-hmm. to, 
put this gigantic trauma causing agoraphobia, which I don't exactly know how her specific trauma causes agoraphobia because I don't know anything about agoraphobia because this movie's not interested in it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's more... I, I wish this was more of a mood poem and less of a whodunit twisty thriller, I think, would be. And, yeah, and, and I imagine that's what the movie was. Yeah. I mean, there's this big central sequence where, like, her whole, like, tragic backstory is revealed and there's the shot of, like all the lights blacking out and she walks toward this overturned car that's suddenly in her house. living room. Yeah. And it's really beautiful and dramatic. And that's the part that like feels like Anna Karenina. And you can imagine Joe Wright being like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that image and I'm going to make a movie around that. And there that feels other very bits, ripped from his goals in the movie and almost nothing else does. Yeah. There's bits that he uses movie clips and like backdrops for sort her of? that are interesting. And what then there's the like blood splatters the- on the camera lens at some point. Which what do the movie wild. clips add to this movie? Like, clearly, this movie is indebted to classic film, but like, what does it actually add? I don't to think it? they add substance to it. I think they add visual panache to it. Mm. There, something to look at. Um, I mean, this movie is a lifetime movie dressed up in higher production value with great actors. Uh, yes, but that's uh, but what, it's actually pretty watchable because that's of that. what Gone Girl is. That's what Girl with the Dragon. Ta- that's what Good David Fincher is. Mm-hmm. And that's what no. this is not. But this is not close to that, obviously. This, no. is, this is getting into the trashy trash as opposed to the glorified trash, I guess. I thought Brian Tyree Henry was weirdly good also in like a part that is nothing at all. But like he gets on screen, you're like, oh, he cares. Like he's a, he's a very he's warm a, he, presence. He's, yeah. Like he like connects to Amy Adams, which feels crazy because her performance, he was just feels so disconnected from him. I also just like Gary Oldman like showing up and screaming for a while. Like that's obviously just his thing, but I didn't mind that one bit. Everyone else feels kind of bad. Why is Jennifer Jason Lee in this movie? Why is Wyatt Russell in this movie? Wait, why? We got to talk about Wyatt Russell separately. That is a whole thing. Like that is a really weird performance. I I guess he's he's like. I mean, this is slight spoilers. If you don't, hang on. Ring the ring the spoiler gong. This is the spoiler gong. Yeah. So Wyatt Russell plays her tenant. Which first off, why does she have? A tenant at all. Um, I guess she, she can't money. be one hundred percent alone. Says the, your doctor at the okay, end. Fair. Um, mm. But his whole tone from the very beginning is is whacked out, uh, and he kind of explains why. Doesn't he says he's like dealing with some medical issue, right? Or like he's dealing with anger issues. Is that? He's yeah, like yeah he's like a, he's like recently out of jail. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's on parole because he got in a bar fight. Parole, right. right. <laughs> and, or he got jumped at a bar. But his says. toad's just swinging all over the place. At the beginning, he's like, I'm gonna, su- I'm super helpful. I'm just always all around and super helpful. And then yeah. he's just like Mr. Red Herring the whole time. He is, like, he is am just I unhinged? Am I a secret killer? Or am I just all over the place and on top of you all the time and trying to be overly helpful? Um, his, his performance is so, so strange. And I liked it I, for that reason. Like, just do more stuff, man. At this point, there's no plot that I'll ever care about. But if people keep doing weird stuff, uh, I'm into it. Um, I guess it's Amy Adams who this is kind of sliding into the hillbilly elegy territory where it's like, you're not really doing anything interesting playing this this character. She doesn't have a particular quirk or like something that's getting under her skin with the agoraphobia. It just feels like a movie performance again. It feels her like... hillbilly elegy performance was much more interesting than this. I would say that's not a very good movie at all. I don't no. even think she's that felt tropey too. Uh... Oh, it did, but like this this movie is so like what Dave was saying. Like if this woman had anything to her, and like you would think like agoraphobe trapped in her house, you think she would just murder would be a real character, but like it just doesn't become anything. I think what threw me off the most about the movie, and it took me a while to kind of get back onto it, where I started enjoying it was the the cadence of the dialogue like tracy Letts' script 
has such a theatrical quality to it where the dialogue is back and forth and it's all Dave, you kind of mentioned this where it's like the it all sounds recorded in a vacuum. Like there's no room tone or something or like when people get on the phone, there's no effect laid over that to make it seem like they're on the phone. It all sounds like everyone's in the same oh, well, room what? or like the Anthony Mackie stuff is really strange. Like is it supposed to be disembodied and weird? I mean, yeah, you because have he's someone who's like no, on the no, phone with someone throughout the movie, but you never actually see them holding the phone. You're like, hmm, what, You're right. what's I going mean, on there? We've rung the spoiler bell. He's dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's dead. Her family is dead. I get it. Everybody's dead. Um, I, I will her say. Family said they were mad at her because she was cheating on her husband, which they bring up once right before he like die. It's so it's so messy. You do wonder yeah, who she was I- cheating on. Uh, I kept I, thinking it was going to end up being like the kid or like some shit. I'm no. like, surely this like this little crap package is all tied up at the end. But no, yeah. it's it in the book. Oh, I thought you were the, referring I, to the son as a crap package. I'm like, wow. To give credit to the book, the teenager is like more part of the story in the book. Like she has like this like online forum where she's helping people with therapy, and he's like posing as someone who she's helping. Oh. But it doesn't it doesn't make that. I thought he was good in the movie. The kid that they got. No, he's just too weird for you. You know what's interesting is like I, I keep like seeing movies. these little Twitter like things with people being like, I really see the Brian De Palma influence in Women in the Window. Like I, I'm not ready for people to try to rescue this as much as I love Joe Wright. Like I just feel like this movie is such a mess, and I'm not here for the like a tourist readings of this mess. <laughs> no, I think that would be a, a dangerous road to go down. I just I do think it's slick enough and it keeps moving. I don't know. I, I was surprised that I enjoyed it. My expectations were so, 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 so low. But uh, for disposable trash that I could just turn on on, uh, on a Sunday night, you know. It kind of delivered, I guess. It scratched an itch. I can see I why. Have such it, low you know, standards these days. It's number one on Netflix, according to Netflix or whatever. So, I mean, like... I've seen worse versions of this movie, for sure. I don't want to completely, you know, crap on it. But also... I don't know if what Patches just said is true. I don't know if there's a benefit to binging this. No, I'm not. No, I'm saying I don't think we can recommend this one. I'm saying if you find yourself having to watch it because a loved one insists they've heard the buzz and you Mm -hmm. are required to watch this movie, I don't think you should fall into despair. There's no, still... I think there are interesting things to take from this. If you are, for some reason, a Joe Wright completist, if you, if I succeed in getting a blank check miniseries on Joe Wright in the future, you should watch this for that. Um, but it's such a disappointment for, not that it, I don't think, I still don't think it could have been great because I think the novel sucks so much, but it's a shame to see what they did with it. They... Well, the score is horrible. <laughs> yeah, the score is bad. Come on. What's you the know, one I was... thing you... <laughs> I was saying this is a joke earlier, but like I think I want to release the right cut. If they wow. did it once, they can do it again. Hashtag release the right cut. Mm-hmm. Give me that. This is over. This Give me that nine inch nail score. Okay, reboot, reboot this whole thing on Broadway so Trent Reznor could get a Tony, and I will be one hundred percent behind Women in the Window. I bet on this Broadway. Is that how you want play. Trent Reznor to get his Tony? I don't care at this point. I just somebody put nine inch nails on Broadway. Get the, uh, give me a soul musical and uh, get him a get him a Tony that way. That does it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week, as promised, with our quarter quell. Everyone looks forward to him. Happy summer, happy vaccines to all. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. 
I'm Matt Patch, a senior editor at Polygon.com, where I produce another podcast that you should go listen to, Galaxy Brain, starring Jonah Ray and Dave Schilling talking. We just did a really cool episode about Josie and the Pussycats, that movie with uh, the writers and directors of that which they did also they they did um, can't hardly wait um, they're really funny and the movie is really funny uh, so go listen to Josie and the Pussycats episode good t- good conversation um, also I'm on Twitter at Mr Patches and we have a website fightinginthewarm.com where if you want to listen to an old episode on the fly that's a very easy way to do it you just scroll through and find classic episodes about your favorite movies fightinginthewarm.com Hey, it's me, David the Seven. You can follow me on Twitter at DA7E. I'm also on The Storm, a Lost Rewatch podcast where we are into the final season, finally. And if you think this podcast is too short, well, we cannot make a podcast (laughs) under two and a half hours on that fucking show. So go check that out if you like media criticism, The Storm, Lost Rewatch podcast. And if you like this show and don't like hearing about Galaxy of Heroes, which I have much more to say about, and so does David when he returns... Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, and uh, that we will read them on the show, which is a bonus. And then second bonus, don't have to talk about a Star Wars mobile game. Uh, I'm Kitty Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fair and on the Little Goldman podcast, where, as I said last week, we discussed um, The Woman in the Window, which we just discussed. And this week, uh, Franklin Leonard is going to be our guest to talk about uh, Ted Lasso, uh, in addition to some other stuff, because he is an American who just uh, moved back from london and watch a soccer so you can explain to me soccer i hope um you can find me on twitter at katie rich k-a-t-e-y-r-i-c-h and we are all on twitter at f-i-t-w-r where you can uh share your uh ideas for a woman in the window musical or you can answer this week's lightning round question which was in honor of army of the dead what's a location that needs a heist movie set there uh thank you for listening and we'll be back talking to you next week Pills, 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 wine, 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 murder. (laughs) See, Nine Inch Nails is better at this.